MSW Media. You want me to do one in English? Yeah, yeah, do one in English too. Hey guys, what's up? I'm Pili Montilla, and you are listening to What Are You Drinking with Dan Dunn. Or what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, is it what we're drinking? Yeah. Or if you want to go, what are you drinking? That's fine too. No, what is it? What we're what? What we're drinking with Dan Dunn. What's up, guys? I'm Pili Montilla, and you are listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show. It's called What We're Drinking, and and what I'm drinking right now to kick things off, I got a little Cake Bread Cellars 2019 Napa Valley Chardonnay Reserve. It's a great wine. Just a great. I mean, I know it's not really white wine time, but I felt like having white wine today. I'm feeling a little frisky. Cake Bread is, of course, a very famous producer from the Napa Valley, and. Uh, this 2019 uh, Chardonnay Reserve is just a, you know, just got that vivid fruit flavor. And it got some apples and peaches and baking spices in there. It's a lovely wine. It really is. Um, I wish I had some, you know, like butternut squash soup or something to pair this with. That's what it feels like it would go well with. It's $60 a bottle. You go to cakebread.com and get it. That's what I'm having. And, and, Today, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to tell you about a bunch of other things you should be drinking. This show is called What We're Drinking, and sometimes I get away from that. I get caught up in our big celebrity guests or my rants, and then trust me, I got one of those coming shortly with my good pal Scott Alexander, our Brooklyn correspondent, is going to be joining in just a few minutes because I got some stuff I want to unburden myself of with Scott. We're going to get to that shortly. Um, I keep records. I like to uh, acknowledge anniversaries of things. So I, I, my calendar's just full of this happened today and, and a few years later. Oh, wow, that happened. It's, it's a good way to keep track, especially when you're writing stuff. And I, I'm having the cake bread wine because I'm kind of commemorating a big wine moment in my life. It turns out it was eight years ago this month that I first had the idea the initial idea that would become my book, American Wino, Tale of Reds, Whites, and One Man's Blues. At the time, I, I was, I'd been contracted, along with Scott Alexander, who's going to be joining me shortly, to write a always sunny in Philadelphia book called The Gang Writes a Self-Help Book. And Scott and I knocked that thing out. We nailed it. I think we did a really good job with it. If you're a Sunny fan... You know, go pick that thing up. It's available everywhere. Books are sold. But finish that. And I had come out of a relationship right around the same time. I'd been in a relationship for several years with a wonderful woman that I met on the plane coming back from my brother Brian's funeral, which is what American Wino is about, really. Brian died uh, tragically in 2010. And... 
I met my several years long mate. I met her on the plane coming back from Pennsylvania. And now by this point in January of 2014, the relationship had just sort of come to an end. And um, so I was at a crossroads having some wine in my apartment in Marina del Rey at the time. And I was drinking a bunch of wine and I thought, well, what am I going to do now? I'm at this crossroads. I finished the book, my relationship, I'm single. What am I going to do with my life? And the answer was, I'm going to have more wine. And so I continued to drink more wine. And at some point I had the wherewithal to write on a notepad, I'm going to drink all the wine in America. I wrote all the wine in America on a notepad. And sometime either the next day or the day after I saw that note, Googled it, and that's when I discovered that wine is made in every state in America. That planted the seed for what would become wino. And, and here, I'll tell you a little, just as from wino, there's a little bit of the story about how it happened and how the trip started. And allow me to just take a little trip down memory lane here. So I had gotten this idea in my head. I wasn't sure it was a good idea. I convinced myself that the problem wasn't that my dead brother and living ex-girlfriend had both abandoned me. The problem was the place they abandoned me in. When you think about it, it's the simplest explanation, which, as Occam's razor tells us, means it must be true. If everything I touch hurts, the tip of my finger must be broken. The obvious solution? Chop off the finger. Over a period of weeks, I managed to convince myself that the best way to free myself of my past was to free myself of the gorgeously fucked up bubble that is Los Angeles. Now, in recovery, this is what's known as pulling a geographic. It bears mentioning that for people in recovery, pulling a geographic rarely works. And here's the key to understanding my brain. After hearing that people in recovery don't usually benefit from this approach, I actually had the following thought. Thank God I'm not in recovery. Reasoning skills aside, at least one part of that formulation was true. I was about as far from recovery as a human being can get while not coughing up blood. I decided that the best course of action for both me and the world was to drink my way across America. For science, of course. And to defend America. Or make fun of it. I wasn't too sure. All I knew was, whatever happened, it would involve an awful lot of wine. And I do mean awful. I've spent most of what some people charitably call a career writing and talking about booze. It's not one of those jobs they tell you about on career day. In fact, it's not so much a job that you get as a job that you get away with. Now, in fairness to myself, I know more than the average tippler about liquor. I can tell you the manufacturing subtleties between tequila and mezcal, and I can separate an Isla from a Speyside with a sniff. I'm pretty deep on beer, too. It turns out I'm good at writing and talking about bars, which helps. It's all added up to me somehow making a living for a couple decades, cranking out articles and podcasts about what, where, when, how, and why to drink. It's been a flaming butt-ton of subtle, nuanced fun. But somehow, 20 years into the game, I came to a terrible realization. I knew fuck all about wine. It started to bother me. I mean, sure, I liked the stuff, and I knew how to fake like I knew about it. The names of the major grapes, the growing regions, some well-tuned adjectives. But when you really get into the woods with fermented grape syrup, it's devilishly complex. 
By the way, the hack booze writer alert devilishly is one of the go-to modifiers. So is complex. All right, just put file that one away. Anyway, over the years, instead of taking small bites and learning bit by bit, I bullshitted my way through tastings while trying to steer the conversation back to the Phillies or something. Speaking of which, they're going to have a big year this year. I know this. I'm telling you, it's coming. Go Bryce Harper. Okay, so I figured out a way to combine my ignorance and my sadness. I would get the hell out of L.A. and drive across this great land, drinking its precious purple bounty as I went, because if my email box was to be believed... And it has never steered me wrong before. Just ask my good friend, the crown prince of Nigeria. Wine was being made in every state of the union, including Vermont and Georgia and Nebraska and Missouri. I even got a come on from a winery in Arkansas that featured an actual RV park on site. It doesn't get more American than that, does it? The RV park was the final straw. I had to go drink wine with people staying in that RV park. I wanted to drink wine in places that you would never think produced wine. I, I needed to know if Yankee obstinacy, Midwestern stick to or Deep South Zen would allow you to produce juice that could compete with the big, mean mothers out in Napa, Sonoma, and Willamette Valleys. Now stop laughing. This is the serious part. I would conquer wine, just like United States conquered Grenada, and Donald Trump conquered good taste, and cavemen conquered the dinosaurs. I was like America— Loud, without pedigree, misinformed, and often drunk, but I had grit, gumption, a willful ignorance of my limitations. Hell, I was America. I would be triumphant with a capital umphant. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. I might come back to L.A., I might not. But to find out if I should, I needed to live in nowhere for a while. Wherever I ended up, it would be on my terms. It was time to stop living in the shadow of dead brothers and exes and crawl, squinting into the sunlight. It was time to drink my way across America. Now, you'll be forgiven if that sounds depressing or like I have a death wish. Most of the drinking writers do, or rather did. And don't get me wrong, I consider Bukowski, Dylan Thomas, Hunter S. Thompson, and John O'Brien to all be wise if besotted and also dead, sages lighting the road ahead. But make no mistake, American Wino was not a tale of a man drinking himself to death. It was a tale of a man drinking himself to life. At least I wanted it to be that. So I set a goal. I would drive an indirect path across and around the country, passing through as many wine regions as possible. Along the way, I would drink as much local happy juice as I could stand, hopefully learning a few things along the way give myself a sort of finite endpoint because, you know, you don't want this sort of thing to get away from you. I, I, I added a finish line. The Pebble Beach Food and Wine Festival was an annual high net worth Northern California Bacchanal where the 1% of the 1% gather every year to sip ridiculously rarefied wine and swap stories about how you can't get a good yacht crew these days. To raise the stakes a little, I called in a favor and got myself booked as a keynote speaker. If I didn't have my shit together, by the end of my trip around America, it would be glaringly, career-endingly obvious. The way I saw it, what's the point of walking a tightrope if the fall won't kill you? There you go. That's how the book started. And, and by the way, you notice that Donald Trump comment. I made that comment a year before he even hinted that he was going to run for president. I'm a seer, I guess. 
As anyone who pays even the slightest bit of attention to me knows, Fresh Victor is my favorite mixer brand in the world. You know what? Screw it. It's my favorite in all the universe. They make 100% fresh, juice-based, cold-pressed, preservative-free, refrigerator-worthy cocktail mixers. All their ingredients are real, they're all recognizable, easy to pronounce. Lime, mint, ginger. See what I mean? Easy. Fresh Victor mixers are kosher, non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and light on calories. Although they don't taste like it. Their seven award-winning flavors mix deliciously with any spirit, wine, or sparkling water. Not only does Fresh Victor live and breathe sustainable practices, but they champion them. All their ingredients are fair trade, the packaging is recyclable, and the juicing plant is 100% solar. You get the drift. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a pretty juicy deal to my listeners. Simply go to FreshVictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code WWD20. Get 20% off your order. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Let's bring on... I, again, like I said, I got some stuff. I'm fired up. I'm drinking a little bit of wine. Let's bring on Scott Alexander to talk about a subject that's been on my mind a lot lately. Let me let me let me get Scott on the line here. Hello, Scott. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Now, people out there listening, one of the things that I I get ideas all the time, and a lot of them are bad ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that. And I'm not necessarily great at controlling my bad ideas, but what I have developed a skill over the years, which is this. If my red flag goes up, and it takes a lot to raise my red flag. I was going to say, I'll go, when was the last time you <laughs> that flag went up? 1976? Yeah, but no, it goes up, and then, and then I'll go, all right, let me, let me call Scott and run this mm. idea by him before I do it. So it could be anything from me, like firing off an angry email or calling someone back and responding in a negative way or breaking up with my girlfriend or my, or or making the decision not to talk to a family member anymore. And I'll call Scott and I'll say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Should I do it? By which you really mean, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Will you please talk me out of it? Please talk me out of it. So that's exactly right. So for you, the listening audience, we're, I'm going to show, we're in real time. We're going to do it right now. I have an idea that I really <laughs> like, and I'm going to run this idea by Scott. And let me, let me just uh, tell you where this idea came from. First of all, I, you know, I, I, I get on Facebook and I shouldn't be on there. Scott, you're Ooh. not even on Facebook, right? No. Yeah. yeah this you're is smart. my, my yeah. secret uh, sauce. Yeah. yeah. So I Don't am, I go on there and, and I, I try to stay away, but from these but then sometimes it's like crack you get these posts that just fuel your my rage or whatever so and i know this is going to sound crazy what makes me upset here but so i'm looking through facebook a couple of days ago and this guy that i'm friends with on facebook i mean we're not really friends friends but we're friends on facebook we know a lot of the same people it's like 10 in the morning and he posts Mm. this and i got to be careful what i say because i don't want to I don't want to get in a fight with this guy. So he right. posts he posts something about he found out. Should, that should he, I should I be waving you off this entire conversation? No. All <laughs> right. So the guy posted his dad has cancer, right? And it, okay. and the post begins with you know this morning we found out. All right, and it's ten o'clock in the morning. Oof, and, heavy one. You know, and this guy's got a few thousand Facebook friends. So okay, immediately I'm I'm 
the hair stands up. Because I'm like, all right, the first thought, he's like, this morning, his first thought after But finding- this is what Facebook does well. It transmits emotion. Like, you you saw this and you went, oh, here we go. This morning we found out, oh, damn, here comes the punch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. and so my thing is, his first thought after finding out that his old man has cancer is to go on to Facebook and write a mini novella about it. Right. And I'm, it's like this morning, <laughs> this we morning, found out, this morning I found out that my dad has cancer. So I figured let me be on Facebook instead of hanging out with him. Do you think he cleared it with his dad first? He said, Hey dad, uh, I'm going to share your, I feel like we'll have a lot of time later to hang out. Um, I got to go right now to Facebook. No, but I'm saying, do you think he even told his dad? I doubt it. Like, hey, dad, I'm going to share your personal health info with a bunch of people you don't know on the Internet. It's the kind of thing that you people just don't think about. Like, it's just it's just part of the it's like breathing. So I, I doubt he yeah cleared that. Didn't clear it. OK, so this is my my point. So why did he do that? Right. And this is what I think about Facebook and a lot of social media. It has become certain people. It's become their participation trophy. Like we all live life. We're all living a life. Scott, you've got your life. I've got, you've got kids, yes. you've got problems, you've got work, you got this, you joys, highs, lows. We all experience all these things, but certain people, they want participation trophies in the form of affirmation and support right, for the stuff we all do that they get on social media. So like, and right. again, in this case, it's obviously, it's something terrible. It's a disease, but like other stuff like, Oh, Oh, I like I might put, oh, I've been working out and I've been eating right for the past month and I lost three pounds. And right. And, and so like everybody's supposed to stop and go, look, he's taking better care of himself. Let's celebrate him. It's called like the basic facts of human existence, like like was a human participation. Tro- it's like, yeah. Oh, I went to the supermarket. Like, yeah, yeah, you, you did. We all have to go there. You know, it was like. Yeah, so, but he did. But the, the, like, so things like the. This is why I'm not on Facebook. Well, exactly. But the things like the cancer, it he's making it about him, right? Because the, the whole right. comment thread is like, sure. "Be strong. We love you. We support you." And I'm not saying that that's not a powerful thing, and maybe it helps in some way. He needed a little hit. He needed to shoot up a little like friend affirmation, which he has friends. I mean. Like this is a completely voluntary thing he's engaging in with these people. That he he's saying, give me give me a little bit of like you're okay, and everyone's going you're okay. Like that's essentially what that is, you know, just to pull the cover. But doesn't off. that bother you that he's using his dad's cancer for that? Oh, I find it I find it very tiresome, and I I feel like it's a sort of pornography of human connection. Um, it's it's a sad statement on the world that people need that, or or that they they the first thing they do in a crisis is go to Facebook as opposed to call their friend. What, what you do when you're in a crisis is you call me. And that yeah. makes me feel like, Hey, of course my friend called me and now we're, we're connecting and now our, our relationship is deepening and all these other things are happening. And that's nice. And that's why I'm not on Facebook because it forces me to find all those things in my real life. What Facebook does is it allows you to sort of be lulled into this feeling of like, I'll just get all that from Facebook and then I can have more time for other things. Okay. And you tell me if I'm getting too personal here, but you recently went through, uh, you you lost your father, right? Yes, that's right. Can you imagine if the first, like you got that call from your mom in the morning, you know, I mean, you were there, right? When you're your dad. Yeah. But, but imagine if you just get the call and it's like, Hey, you know, dad's, even when your dad got, even when your dad <laughs> got like, sick gotta, and you're like, yeah. Holy all right, mom, I got to go. 
because I need to really compose the <laughs> shit out of this Facebook post. Like, right. that's to me, it's well, just, it's narcissism part. just written yeah. so fucking large. Well, no, I, I would actually say maybe it's not narcissism, but it's it's there's a basic human need for connection and it's looking for it from the wrong thing. It's like saying, I need water. I'm going to drink chocolate milk, you know? And, and it's like, what you need is you need to drink water. You just had a long workout. No, no, no. Chocolate milk. It, it fuels my thirst. Like, no, like <laughs> that's not, that's not how it works. It's a substitute that isn't the right thing. So like when, when I found out my dad was sick, the last thing I wanted to do was like go hang out with other people or even fake people on the internet. Like I want to hang out with him. Yeah. You know, so anyway, <laughs> and also we don't know the circumstances of this. It may be that we his don't. dad was like, I'm taking, I'm taking a nap to help with my cancer. Please go on Facebook and tell everyone that, that might've happened. So this brings me to the bed, the, the idea. So this is the idea, which is all I kept thinking. And, and I think this about a lot of things that I see on Facebook is when you see these overly sincere, uh, you know, and then everybody has to chime in because, because then they get their fix too. They get to be the good person who's supporting their friend without really fucking doing anything. Right. All they're doing is writing right. in the comments. Like, right? And all I wanted to do love was write this. I wanted to write two simple words in the comment thread. Who cares? Who cares? Ooh, right. Ooh. And, and now I understand. I understand that those two words are fraught with danger for, for putting it. But well, and I'm not trying those to be two mean. words. Those two words undermine the entire premise of Facebook and all social media, actually, is that like. If you really get down to it, there is, I'm not saying there's zero value in social media, but that there's, it's, it's lower than we typically experience it to be. And who cares? It's what it does is it elevates all this mundane stuff. And sometimes that's really funny. The thing I like about social media is sometimes it's a source of really funny stuff. And I, I love that. But like when it's really funny stuff, you're like, yeah, this is not important. This is fun. You know, when, stuff gets really real i'm like there's a we already had a thing for this it was called human connection uh for processing these kinds of things and when someone is clearly being like i don't want to get i want to call my three closest friends about this i want to send a low signal message to a thousand people and have a bunch of people be like you're okay like love (laughs) and it's not that those feelings aren't true they're just shallow they're just like limited bandwidth well and and this is this is what i'm saying so don't I don't want to be mis. I don't want people to misconstrue what I'm talking about here. When I write, "Who cares?" It's not that I'm being callous to the fact this guy. What right. I'm saying is, "Who cares that you're making this post?" Because here's what I can guarantee you: everybody that clicked the heart fucking thing or the they don't care either. They're right. not going to do mean, anything. Who cares? Your dad has They're cancer. not going to reach like- out to you. They're not going to do fucking shit. All you need to do is reach out to your actual friends, people that are close to you, call them up because they care. No one here cares. So this is the part, wait, wait, just hold on. This is the part where you call me up and and you say, should I do this? And I, and I talk you out of it. Because well, what could obviously the bad thing for me, the reason what, what I know about this is that you are sincere in your desire (laughs) as you always are to better your fellow man. I, I understand that. It's what I'm here for. <laughs> it's all it's, you, it's, it's all what you I was do. put on the planet for <laughs> to point out the inadequacies of other people. All you, no, 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 not that. I was elevating you even further. You're here to help. Oh, people. that's what I meant. And and what you're trying to do is ex- explain kindly to your fellow man that like you're looking for caring in the wrong place. Who cares is the question. Who really cares about you? That's what you mean. But the nuance is going to be gone. 
And it's going to read like, who cares? So as opposed to, of, hey, who, who care? Who? Anybody? Hey, raise really your hand. About who cares? <laughs> let's really think about who really cares about this. That's what you mean. That's of it's course what that's mean. what I, I mean. know. It's not what you mean. But <laughs> well, here's the thing. I also know you really wanted to say, who cares? Yeah. Well, so it's the hashtag who cares movement. Now, first of all, I understand. So I think if it's a movement, it's different. So if you can get this thing put under an umbrella of like, this is an important social movement started by Dan Dunn. That's right. That 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 where everyone started posting who cares to, uh, in response to every single thing on social media to show the hypocrisy of the shallowness of the interaction inherent in these systems that create a pornography of human interaction. Then great, but then you're gonna have to start a nonprofit. It's gonna get messy. Well, I kind of thought about it this way. I, I was flashing back to that moment in the Truman Show. Remember that great movie, mm. the Truman Show with Jim Carrey, where at the end everybody just kind of realizes they don't care anymore about watching this goofy reality show. And remember the guy turns it off and he looks over at his dog, and the dog's there, and he's like picks up the ball and he goes outside to have a catch with the dog, throw the ball. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking could happen here is if this movement picks up steam. Eventually, it just completely undermines Facebook altogether, and people go, "Who cares?" And everybody gets off. Problem solved. I think it would make the world a much better. Well, place. and then people would stop paying attention to that guy's dad's stupid cancer and start paying attention to Dan Dunn. That's right. Listening, putting their attention <laughs> the guy's where distracting it, everyone where from it you belongs. Put your attention where it belongs on a podcast where I'm talking about Facebook. That's right. So, all right, but let, let's just say we go with it. Now, I, I also understand this. There's you got to be very careful about what kinds of posts fall under the umbrella of deserving mm. okay. of who cares. I think first off is if you're highlighting other people's tragedies and you're making them about yourself, clearly, very obviously right. making this. That w- it's like the emotional equivalent of uh, stolen valor. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So if you're obviously doing that. Uh, then I think you could be deserving of a who cares. Of course, understanding if you were take, for instance, this post, and if I were to write who cares, I'm going to get attacked. You can never go back and look at the comments because you're going to mm. get attacked in a way that, uh, in and in case of m- me, it could be <laughs> bad for the career. I could That's get just canceled. best practices. It's best practices to yeah. just never look at. Don't the comments. look back because once you do it, they're coming at you with knives out. All right. Well, it seems like a one way. I got to say, the the Who Cares movement does feel like a one way trip out of social media. Like it feels like this is this is throwing the grenade behind you and and running. You know, it's not going to end well for me on social media. But you know what? If you're going to go out, go out in a go out in a fucking blaze of glory, man. Like that's fair enough. Like John Bon Jovi said in one of the great soundtrack songs ever, "Young Guns." Blaze of glory. I'm going to play it right now. Blaze of glory. Uh, okay. The other one that gets me, and we've been seeing this a lot lately, just because we're getting older, is the I, I the celebrity death photo right now. So it's like, wait, 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 wait! You took a photo with Bob Saget once at a meet and greet backstage at the Chuckle Factory in 1997. <laughs> oh, please, please gift us with five thousand words about what a profound impact that two minute fucking encounter had on you and Bob's legacy and his character and his career. And of course, make sure at the end. To offer your, they always do this, offer the condolences to Bob's family, because of course they're going to be fucking checking your Facebook page. 
to right. for regularly for heartfelt messages about Bob. Unless well, you're again, I think close what you're reacting friends. to. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with loving a brilliant person like Bob Saget. I thought was brilliant. I saw him live a couple of times. We were, you know, we met backstage one time for for two whole minutes, and he told me I was brilliant. But but that's a, that's beside the. Point. He said he loved no. our Sunny book. I think that was what. Remember, he was like, "Oh man, you wrote that." Um, no, but like the again, it's that reflected glory thing where. If it would be one thing, if it was like someone who was truly deeply meaningful to your life, there's probably three to five writers or performers or creators who have been incredibly influential in my life. I don't feel the need to post about them on social media, you know, but if one of them passed away, I, 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 I feel moved when these people do pass away. But again, it's like, it feels like a competition to be like, who can say the coolest thing about Bob Saget and who was you know, legitimately brilliant. I, I really admire the guy, but. Well, do you um, think years from now, like when I go, you might pay, post a picture saying, I was who? friends with the guy who started the who cares movement. <laughs> the guy that took down Facebook was my well, buddy. I think we all but- know, we all know the perfect <laughs> comment for the, for the uh, post about your death. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I would love it if everybody just posted on my thing. Who cares? Well, that's the thing. That's, that's how you validate this phenomenon. It's like, I am so willing to stand behind this that what I want, what I'm requesting for you to post when I die, what you must post on social media is Dan Dunn died. Who cares? Who cares? That might be the title of my final book. Who cares? <laughs> posthumously. Post- posthumously. It just says who cares on every page. Um, all right. But it's, <laughs> okay. <cares? laughs> Wait, let's see. Chapter I'm one. going through this book pretty fast. This is cool. It's our page turner. Chapter one. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> the end. No Who royalties cares? for me off this one. <laughs> what are we drinking? Oh, hell yeah. Batiste rum. You know what I'm talking about? I friggin' love this brand. Batiste rum is the first sustainable American craft rum. What's that mean? Well, it means that Batiste's proprietary production process from ground to bottle has been rigorously reviewed and validated as being carbon negative. It's the only known beverage alcohol in the world to have a climate-positive natural production process without the purchase of carbon offsets. Okay, you're probably still like, yeah, but what's that mean? (laughs) It means you can feel good about drinking it, my friends. Batiste rum is made from 100% pure fresh cane juice, not molasses or sugar crystals. Most importantly, it's an incredibly damn delicious rum to be enjoyed neat or in cocktails. And Batiste rum has not one but two kick-ass offers for my listeners. That's you. Go to BatisteRum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. Fill up your cart and enter code WWD15 at checkout to get 15% off all orders. But if you want their delicious reserve rum, you can enter code RESERVE get 20% off. Batiste rum is the absolute shiz. Proof that great taste with true sustainability is not a goal for tomorrow, but a reality today. All right, another kind of, one of the biggest violators are the people that post their, um, their workouts, you know? Oh, boy. oh yeah. I hiked uh, seven miles today and they post a picture of their Fitbit. And? Uh, well, I mean, okay. So the only defense of this is that this is for accountability. If you're doing it to be like, 
if I have to post and if I don't post, then people will be like, hey, you didn't do your workout and then I wouldn't do my workout. It's a way to motivate yourself. Fine. But there's better ways to motivate yourself. You know, these accountability sites where you can like put money in a thing and it'll donate it to causes you hate if you miss your workout. Oh, no, but that's a great idea. You can send a thing where it's like, make a donation to the American Nazi Party if I don't. Uh, <laughs> Are you serious? Do my workout. Yeah, that's that's real. That's so horrible, but I, I love it. <laughs> Fucking twisted mother. But that, that, apparently that. it works really, really well because you're like, if I don't do it, yeah, then the Make America Great fun. A very yeah. bad thing happens. Oh, uh, right? no. Okay. All right. Well, all right. But that, in that case, I could maybe. But that's that's personal accountability saying i worked out today is really just bragging under the kind of rubric of uh of accountability how about so. the pseudo expert posts i love that or the ones where they go okay for the next 30 days every day i'm going to post my top my i'm going to count down to my top albums of all time i'm like i'm sorry are you david fricky who who why do i give a fuck that you like tori amos who cares Right. Like I think it's also just like people that have too much time and they just want to waste time together. Well, again, all all this makes me so sad. These are all these you're enumerating the reasons I'm off social media, but it it just makes me so sad that people it's evidence to me that people are starved of the affirmation in their personal lives that like, hey, you really know a lot about. So, you know, what I do is I go out to bars and I go on and on and on about shit until people say until people say you sure know a lot about Tori Amos. So that's that's my strategy. You're drunk at the bar. You're like, hey, guess who got cancer today? My father. My father. They're like, dude, can you just today, get on Facebook? This morning we alone? found out. <laughs> I found out two minutes ago, and I'm already drunk, and I've already written seven posts about it. Why aren't you with your dad? Because I wanted a drink. <laughs> All right. Here's the, here's the final one. This is the one that's the trickiest, and it's these posts are ubiquitous. Dead pet. All right. Now stay with me here on dead pet. Here's the thing. You can't look at a dead pet post because it's invariably, it's going to have the cute pictures of the dog. They'll usually do the time. Like here, here's, here's uh, Fido as a puppy and here's Fido at six and seven. And here's Fido before he draws his last breath. And it's all Mm. these glamour shots of the dog and, and probably frolicking with the children and playing in the snow. And you're like, Jesus Christ, it's fucking heartbreaking. Right. But I miss the days when I didn't need to know about all the dead pets, like you know, everyone's like, dead pet, like everyone has, it's become you know, my pets. thing now. I'm emotionally involved in the lives of pets I've never met, owned by people I've never met. Right. But so, so here's here's what here's what you do uh, if you're one of these people who posts those things. A step one: enjoy your pet while it's still alive. Yes. Step two: when it dies, get another one. But can I get away with posting who cares on a, on a dead pet post? That's, that's <laughs> well, the question. The, the, <laughs> when have you crossed well, the line on the, on I like the, the, I like that you feel like the dead pet one is spicier than the dead parent one. <laughs> Just shows you how much I value human beings. And I'm like, yeah, like I, I actually thought this, this is so terrible. When I saw that post, I'm like, Hey dude, save it till he's dead. Save it until he's dead, and then maybe <laughs> I can muster up some sympathy. But fuck, right. he might outlive me. 
I might well, be, if, I might if be the feeling guy had bad for this. Wait, wait, let me say years. let me say this. I might be feeling bad for this guy having cancer, and then I walk out the door and get hit by a fucking car. I wasted my sympathy on a guy that outlived me. Right. <gasps> yeah, that could that that could happen. I, I, I Stolen think sympathy. I had spent the last two years posting the words of wisdom of this of this great man. This man, guy might be a legitimately you know wise person who needs to be revered and, and thought of and you could get a lot out of your life by you know thinking about it but like if that's the case then where's all the other posts about this guy exactly like where's all the posts before he got cancer hey remember the time your dad uh got drunk and fucking came home drunk and drove the car through the fucking garage you didn't post about that did you Is <laughs> he's not a fucking hero then was he sorry maybe i'm dredging <laughs> up some old memories <laughs> Dad would have been 136 today. Oh, if he hadn't oh. driven his car through the garage. Well, you remember I got in trouble for that a while back. There was a uh, when people. That's another one people do when they go, "Oh, uh, Dad would yeah, Dad would have been <laughs> Dad would have been 87 today had he not died in 1969." And it's like, hey, right. what's the? It's like it's like that. What's the statute of limitations when you can milk Dad's death? How many years? In that one, maybe you could switch it up. Not put who cares. Just put woulda, coulda, shoulda. I want to go on the record here saying Scott is not as awful as I am. I, I realize as I'm going on now how awful this is. So we let's go back to the pet thing. Really, I want to clear clear this up. What could yeah. be a, a version of who cares, but it's not quite who cares on the dead. So maybe you know you could say, mm, mm, look mm, on the bright side. Go. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Look on the bright side. Dot dot dot. That's all. Oh, look on the right. But never finish you, it. You could. How about this one? How about that's that's good, but you could also do who cares? Question mark. <laughs> like, like <laughs> or or who cares? Smiley face tear emoji. I got it. Here's how you cover yourself. You go who cares, then you wait, and then further down in the text chain, you put the emoji of the person raising their hand, and there's your defense. <laughs> I posed the question, who cares? And later on in the thread, I, I said, I I'm care. I care. Okay. So all you that came at me, back the fuck up. Because you can see if you scroll down oh, 75 more comments. Key, right. To clarify that you you mean no harm with this who cares thing. You post and then <laughs> 12 hours later, you go back to the post and you write, I care. <laughs> I care. Who cares? Shit storm ensues. And I just I care. Need, like oh, you. Oh, you guys were attacking me. I see. I go off social media for 12 hours and everyone attacks me. I get it. Because like him, I just needed to be seen too. That's all. That's right. What about just co-opting other people's posts? Instead of who cares? What if I went on? That reminds me of the news I got this morning. And then right. make your news worse than his news in his comment thread. That reminds me of the news that I got today about my dad getting cancer which he found out about when he was when he took his or, pet to the vet to put his pet down. The vet noticed a thing, a lump, right? A lump, and then and then my dad noticed the vet had a lump. Oh, got cancer. <laughs> my dad <laughs> and the vet both found out they had cancer this morning while putting the dog down. Uh, right, and then he got home. Lost my three best friends. <laughs> My wife left me. <laughs> Sorry, I would have told my wife, but she left last night with my best friend. All right, yeah, that's maybe that. Instead of who cares, you just no, 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 you just 
you see the post says today I found out, you know, X, Y, Z sad thing. And you write today. I found out that my friend, dad has cancer. Like, just, you just you know. go on and go, I'll see your weepy maudlin needy bullshit and raise you. Right. Some tragedy. That, well, I think because here's the thing: then they dead can't pets come, are sadder than dead parents. They so. can't come at you then. So you're maybe right. come to, instead. If I go, oh, who cares? The they can come at me. But if I go on there and I go, oh man, that's so sad. By the way, my dog died today, and I put a picture of the dog there. They can't come at you, but yet right. you're shutting them the fuck down. But they can't come at you. Right. Well, are you trying to make the world a better place, or are you trying to cover your ass? I don't know. Because the I would say that who cares at the end of the day, it will make the world a better make place, world. but at the cost of great personal sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> Things can get ugly get, for me. You're gonna get canceled and unfriended and dude, and I got cast out. Here's how crazy people are. I think I told you about this a month or two ago. If you go to my Instagram at the imbiber, I post I took a picture of a Pomeranian off the internet and I posted the picture and I said I have some sad news to report. My neighbor's dog, Mr. Yappy Pants or something, I made up a name, is still alive, right? The dog won't shut the fuck up. Just keeps barking. I have terrible news. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I said. Terrible news. This fucking dog is still alive and it keeps barking. It was clearly a joke. I'm not kidding you. At least 20 people were like, that's so mean, man. Oh, my God. How do you God. think your neighbors feel? What, about their fucking fake dog dying? Yeah, no. The fake dog that doesn't exist having a joke told about it. When they know it's annoying, they know worse than I do. Yeah. They have to live in the same house as that thing. Mr. Yappy Pants. I forget Mr. Yappy Pants is, is in their bedroom yapping at all hours. So I think we've settled it here today. You heard it here first. Scott Alexander is all for telling grieving people on the internet to who cares. In a nice way. That's exactly right. You put that, you, what you do is you put the laugh, is laughing so hard you're crying emoji. Cause that means like. I'm laughing because I'm with you, but I'm I'm crying because I'm so sad. So it just says, who cares? Laughing so hard I'm crying. I think that's that soothes everyone. So wait, this is the first time in a while you're you're actually telling me to go forward with my idea. <laughs> I don't know if you're catching the uh the subtle ironic cues in the way I'm speaking this, Dan. Okay. Uh but I I believe what I said was you will better humanity, but you will ruin yourself. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. It's a good. It's the good choice for humanity. It's the bad choice for Dan Dunn. When has Dan Dunn ever made the right choice for Dan Dunn? Is, that's, okay, right. That's why I'm consistency is important. Yeah, but uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it on your recommendation. I'm gonna do it, and I'll report back. I'll have Scott back on the show, and I'll let you know how my uh, hashtag Who Cares movement is, uh, whether it's gaining steam or I've got or how many death threats I've gotten. You know, uh, yeah. After doing, it. we'll review some reactions and. Um, Maybe compose some some reactions to the reactions. Scott, do you have anything you need to plug on social media? Oh, you're not on social uh, media. Follow me on nowhere. Follow me. Follow me home. Follow me to at my your house. own peril, because I'm packing heat. <laughs> Scott right. is a, Scott is a big gun nut. I don't know if you know this. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever owned a gun? I've never owned one. Have you ever stolen? I've leased. I've leased. <laughs> With an option to buy. <laughs> Well, I don't want that one. That one murders people. Have you fired a gun in your life? <laughs> yeah, of course. You lived in. Colorado. I grew up in Texas, man. Yeah, that's true. It's a requirement, right? You gotta. Uh, literally, the first place I fired a gun was at Boy Scout camp. How many did you take out? <laughs> <laughs> Those scoutmasters won't mess with me again. 
who uh, thought who thought it was a good idea to give an 11 year old a loaded gun I, who thought that was a good idea and it's not like it's not like you're in some kind of like controlled thing where you can't point the gun out of the thing literally they're handing an 11 year old a loaded rifle that was the day scott went it you know what i've had enough of you and your sock puppet <laughs> that's I said not a sock puppet. <laughs> that's not a sock puppet oh this took a dark turn would a who cares after that uh, cancel you from life? Only if you put the laughing while, laughing so much I'm crying emoji. <laughs> oh, boy. <sighs> and now a word from our sponsors that will be leaving the show after they hear this one. <laughs> Here, and now for the last time, a word from our sponsors. My name is George. I don't like a beer intended for ladies. I like a light beer, brewed for men. Have a belt of Peel's Honest Beer. Discover a light beer, brewed for men. My name is Rita. I don't like a beer intended for ladies. I like a light beer, brewed for men. Do have a belt of Peel's Honest Beer. Discover a light beer, brewed for men. As threatened, I got a couple of things to tell you about that you ought to be drinking. What was that? My body is rebelling against me. All right, I got a couple of wines to tell you about. The Pan- Pantera Chardonnay. That's P-A-N-T-H-E-R-A, Panthera Chardonnay. I got to tell you, it's uh, it's from the Sonoma Coast, the Russian River Valley, which is one of the most dynamic winemaking regions in this country. I This Chardonnay, it's $45 a bottle, which, you know, that's not... That's not inexpensive, but it's not too expensive. And it's got a lot of fruit in it. It's got that oak, California. If you don't like oaky California Chardonnay, you might not like this one. But I think it's got really nice layers. It's it's crisp. There's some pear flavors, golden apple flavors in there. Some lemon curd, which that comes from the malolactic fermentation. If you don't know what malolactic fermentation is, look it up. You got to know these things, people. But I even got, you know, when I, when I drink this wine, I got a little, I a little French toast, some creme brulee, but there's, there's a little backbone to it. There's some acid on the backbone. And again, P-A-N-T-H-E-R-A, Chardonnay. And, uh, I also, the Hess family, the wine's called the Lion's Head Collection. This wine is called the Lion Tamer Cabernet Sauvignon. It's $65 bottle this is napa cab in all its glory just lush rich texture and blackberries and coffee notes and cherries and there's a little bit of malbec in there which softens up the tannins a bit and it makes it just it's very smooth seamless wine it really is i'm enjoying it and again 65 dollars a bottle or did i tell you what i don't i don't i don't know got some mocha notes in there oak notes long elegant finish this is the kind of cabernet sauvignon and if i could have a big fat juicy steak on a cold evening with this oh that'd warm you up there you go those two wines to tell you about i was recently on the corolla show the adam corolla show i do a regular spot on there and people ask me what we were drinking on Corolla, and I just want to go and tell you. Whiskey, we were drinking Michter's US1 small batch. 
just Michter's is one of the greatest place, the greatest whiskeys in, in America, for sure. I mean, this was, they, they go back to the founding of the first whiskey company in America, which was known as Schenck's and became Bombergers and then eventually became Michter's. Go on their site and, 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 and check out the whole history. It's, it's fascinating. But this Michter's US one small batch is a $50 bottle of bourbon that tastes like a $300 bottle of bourbon. That's all the, quite simply, that's, that's, is, you know, it just, if you don't have a bottle of Michter, if you're a whiskey drinker or bourbon drinker and you don't have a bottle of Michter's, you're fucking up. Okay. Remedy that situation. Get one. Also, uh, had on the Corolla show Siempre Tequila Reposado. A, a great story there. This guy, Alex LaCroix, you know, was having a hard time, turned his life around, starts this tequila brand, and they're just killing it. And I love this Reposado. It's very, very smooth, drinkable, but yet there's some complexity to it. It's, it's, you know, you're getting a little tiny bit of that wood note on there, but the agave flavor, which I love, just really comes through. And that's Siempre Tequila Reposado. That's $40 a bottle. And finally, on the Corolla show, we had Don Q Reserva 7. Don Q is a family-owned rum brand, uh, that it based in Puerto Rico that goes back 157 years, six generations of rum makers. It is the number one selling rum in Puerto Rico. And the Reserva seven that we had on Corolla is a blend of rums that were aged for a minimum of seven years. Such a, I just have it neat or put a rock in there and try it. It's so good. Or maybe a little soda and some fresh juice in there too. But Don Q Reserva seven, 25 bucks a bottle steel. Absolute steel i would never steer you wrong i mean it okay that said <laughs> thank you all for joining on this episode i want to thank scott alexander for being there uh and and talking me through my whole uh, who care hashtag who cares movement if you don't care put it on my instagram go to at the imbiber and put it, who cares i don't care do it if you need to leave me a message or something uh, record a voice memo and then email it to info at what we're drinking.com and i will happily answer your question on the air and anything else matthew mcconaughey anything else we should be saying here all right all right all right that's right what about you most interesting man in the world stay thirsty my friends okay uh who's gonna take us out today how about pat oswalt and meredith salinger take us out hi this is pat oswalt and this is meredith salinger and you're listening to what we're drinking with the very handsome dan dunn <laughs> <laughs> glug 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 glug